Good morning. Just moving this clutter off the stand. Welcome to 2020. I'm excited for this year. Uh, I wonder if you are excited or anxious or ambivalent. It's just another year. I found it a, a nice little reminder as I started preparing this preach at 20 past 20 o'clock last night. <laughs> We've been away all week as a staff team, so I've not had a chance to write it until a little bit last night, but mainly this morning. Um, but the reason is also because we were going away as a staff to hear what God's word is to us this year, both as individuals and also as a church. And so actually, watch, much of what we've planned this spot for this morning is actually to give you a bit of words for the year that I think God is saying to our church. So it's been necessary to go away and hear that stuff to be able to share it with you this morning. Um, I don't know whether you remember, but last year's words were slow and strong, gold point, Carenza. <laughs> so the words God gave us last year were to go slow and strong. Um, this year, I feel like God's given me a few more words. Yeah, you all look so excited to hear that. Come on. God is going to speak to us. So as I share what I believe God is saying this morning, I want you to weigh it as a prophetic word. We all get to discern this together. So I'm not saying, thus says the Lord, at the end of what I'm going to say. You get to think about it, weigh it, discern it as a body, and then we can move forward, hopefully, into the joy of it. So the first thing that I felt God saying um, is that he is doing a new thing this year. So you may think of Isaiah 43, which is, see, I am doing a new thing. Um, but actually, God spoke to me specifically through the light of Revelation 21, verse 1 to 5. So I'm just going to read that to you. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw a holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eye. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things have passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. So he is making all things new. Now, I know when we look at these passages in Revelation, we think of the new heaven and the new earth. But Revelation has many sort of levels to it, if you like. There are prophetic things that are about now, but also about what is to come. And um, so one thing that I feel God's saying is that this year he is making things new. As a church, you may have heard this over and over again, that see, I am doing a new thing. You may have heard it over and over again. But I do feel that is something that God is saying this year. Um, last year in December, Adele from Hoping to Action, she sent me a word that she felt like God was saying um, he was getting our church ready. I don't know whether you remember the song, Like a Bride Waiting for a Groom Will Be a Church Ready for You. And um, 
I feel that that is much about what God is doing us this year. He is getting us ready. He is making us new. So it's potentially a time to try new things. A silly example of this is I am someone who, when it comes to food, I do the same thing every time. I have my favorite dishes. I don't really branch out. And so for the last five years, every time we go to Wagamama's, I order a chicken katsu curry. That is just the way it is. David always says to me, what do you want? And I'm like, you know what I want. I want a chicken katsu curry and I don't want anything else. Maybe a few little dumpling things as well. Goyozas, that's the word. <laughs> so that's what we order and that's what I always have. Um, I don't know what came over me this week, last week. We went to Wagamama's as a family and I ordered something different. I am growing as a person. I have branched out. I took a risk. I don't know what the dish I ordered, but it was better than a chicken katsu curry. So I need to remember what it was. But why am I saying this silly little analogy? (laughs) I feel it is a time for trying new things. Sometimes we get stuck in a rut with God. We do the same things day in, day out. We have the same Bible rhythms. We have the same prayer rhythms. And actually, that just produces the same consequences. So how are we going to up our game with God? How are we going to experience him in new ways? And I would encourage you to try something new. I think as we've looked at our prayer rhythm this year, David and I have written a new prayer rhythm for us and for our family. Because actually you want a prayer rhythm and a Bible rhythm that is going to get you to where you want to go. If I want to stay where I am, well then I can continue the same thing. But if there's new thresholds I want to take, if there's new ground I want to take with God, then I need the prayer rhythm and the Bible rhythm and the rhythms with God that are going to get me there. And so we've changed our rhythm. It looks a bit more, there's a bit more joined up stuff in it than there has been before. There's more like time-based things than there has been before. Um, but I'm excited as we, as we try out new rhythms. But I would encourage you, try something new in your walk with God. It might really bless your relationship. So, new things. If you like, hold that up as a general banner over everything else that I'm about to say. Because although God is doing a new thing, I want to talk to you about what I feel he's calling us into as a church. So, one thing as I was putting this together and as we've been listening to words is I felt like God saying that he wants us as a church to be a dwelling place for God. And for God to be our dwelling place. As part of being ready for the groom, ready for the groom, so that's God, um, we need to be a bride as a church that welcomes his presence, that honors his presence, that makes a point of welcoming him. Now, this has some connotations for us because it has both a personal connotation. Are we welcoming into our lives? Are we stepping into his home? And also, as a church, how are we positioning ourselves to be a church that is ready for him? Is he invited into every area of your life, every room of your house? So rather than just talking in metaphors, I'd just like you to think, is God in all my relationships? Could you see him dwell there? Is God in your work life? We've just had a challenge to pray in our workplaces If someone was to come and look at you in your workplace, would they see God dwell there with you? 
is he in your home life? When you go home, would I notice that God is part of your everyday life at home? If I was to come and spend a day with you, would I see Jesus as your king? Maybe I would, and that's great. Would I feel his presence in you when I'm around you? Would me being with you draw me closer to God? Would me having a conversation with you help draw me closer to God? And so when I'm talking about making God our dwelling place and also him dwelling in us, I'm talking about that nearness to God, that closeness to God that has an impact on the world around you when you are walking with God. There are so many Bible verses that go into this. Stevie had one up earlier, Psalm 23, verse 6, which is like, I will dwell in the house of the Lord. Psalm 91 says, Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I love that verse. (laughs) When we dwell in the shelter of the Most High, we get to rest. If you say the Lord is my refuge and you make the most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent. These verses have got me through some rough times, through some rough nights, through some sleepless times. I've clung on to these verses because there's a promise there, isn't there, that when we make God our dwelling, that he is our protector. Ironically, in my reading this, or maybe coincidentally in my reading this morning, one of the... um, chapters I was reading was Psalm 84, and that is, how lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may have a young, a place near your altar. Lord Almighty, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house, They're ever praising you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimages. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Hear my prayer, Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, God of Jacob. Look on our shield, O God. Look with favor on your anointed one. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Lord Almighty, blessed is the one who trusts in you. I love that, that even sparrows find a place to come near to God. That all of creation actually is drawn to the King of Kings. It's better to dwell in his courts than anywhere else. Revelation 21 that we looked at earlier, verse 3 said, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be their God. We know also, as we look in the New Testament, 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. That is where God resides in us. John 15 also speaks of it when it says, remain in you, remain in me as I also remain in you. 
No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. So this is what we're called to do, both corporately and personally, is to be a place where God's spirit can dwell. And also he will dwell with us. And that's a great promise. And there might be some things that we need to do as a church to help us get there, to really own that, to to take fully on board that. My feeling is that it takes sacrifice to get there as well. We, in order to move closer to God, sometimes other things need to be sacrificed, whether that's time, whether that's Netflix. I don't know what the things are for you that stop you making God a dwelling place. I was reminded yesterday as I was Cooking the dinner, I had a little, do I watch something on Netflix or do I listen to something that's going to bring me nearer to God? And that time I made a good choice, but I don't always make that choice. I sometimes choose the distraction. But actually, making God our secure place will bring so much joy and richness to your life. So dwelling, making God the dwelling place was point number one. The second thing that I feel God is saying for us this year is that we will flourish in the land. So, in Genesis 26, um, you have Abimelech as king of the Philistines, and he asks Isaac to move away from them because he is growing in such wealth. So, Genesis 26 says, Isaac planted crops in that land and the same year reaped a hundredfold because the Lord had blessed him. The man became rich and his wealth continued to grow until he became very wealthy. He had so many flocks and herds and servants that the Philistines envied him. That is phenomenal growth. So whatever he planted, he had a hundredfold return. I don't think I've ever seen that in my life, but I'd love to. But that is how much favor and blessing was on Isaac. So what Isaac did was he was asked to move away by the king because of all this wealth and blessing that he had. And so he went to different places. He went and dug up an old well from his father, Abraham's well. Um, But what happened was then war broke out there. And so he went and dug another well, and then war broke out there and dug another well, etc. And then finally, it says in verse 22, he moved on from there and dug another well, and no one quarreled over it. He named it Rehoboth, saying, now the Lord has given us room and we will flourish in the land. So Rehoboth means open spaces, wide places. And um, in that place, he was able to drink from the well. There was no quarreling. And God is asking us to drink from his well and we will flourish. As we make him our dwelling place, we will flourish in the land. There are some specifics, however, about this flourishing that I feel God is saying. One is to do with healing. So I had a picture when I was praying, and it was God working with leather, and he was sewing two pieces of leather together. And again, he reminded me of that verse in Revelation 21, where he says, um, just get it right, because I don't want to give you the wrong verse. I am making everything new. And so what I feel God is doing in bringing healing is he is making us new. He also reminded me that he comes close to the brokenhearted. We need to be taking opportunities to pray for each other as we journey with this. Are you feeling brokenhearted this morning? Do you need some prayer? 
Is there an area that you need healing? I feel like this is a fantastic word for God to give us, that we will flourish in the land. What a verse to give us. As we do this, I feel like God is saying to be praying for heaven to come to earth every day. That we could be looking for heaven to invade everything in life. Uh, Do we have expectant hearts as we pray? Or are we just praying because we know that's what we should do? But actually, let's get our hearts where we are open to seeing God move and expectant to see God move in the difficult places in life, that we will flourish in the land, that there won't be war over the wells that we're digging, but actually there'll be room to spread out, to grow, to grow in faith. Inviting him into every hopeless situation, let's be expectant. So dwelling place for God, flourishing in the land. And the final thing that I felt God saying is that we will go out with joy. This year, um, I'd really love you to read, maybe even this week, Isaiah 55. I'm not going to read it all to you now, but it's such a great verse, and I think there's more richness in it than I've got time to talk about this morning, but I'd encourage you, read Isaiah 55. I'm going to read verse 10 to 13. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread and for the eater... So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace, and the mountains and hills will burst into songs before you, and the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of thornbush will grow the juniper, and instead of briars the myrtle will grow. This will be for the Lord's renown, for an everlasting sign that will endure." As God revealed this bit to me, it really excited me because I feel that this is about seeing a shift in mission. I feel there's a different posture to adopt as we go out in mission. I'm encouraged by the fact that all creation in this was joyful and expectant. I think this is a season of change in mission. Now, I don't know what you've experienced. What I've experienced is that mission is not always easy. It feels sometimes a bit like the thornbush. Don't seem to get very far. I seem to be fighting against things. There's not much fruit, and it feels a bit of a slog. But I feel that this, maybe God is saying that this is changing this year. While we were on retreat, one of the daily readings um, in the Moravian text was Matthew 5. You are light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. I feel there's a call here to not just be normal in the world, but to put our light on display. Now, this Christmas, as a little picture of this, we had some lighting uh, outside the church. We had Christmas trees lit up. We had a big star on the door lit up. And I don't know about for you, but for me, that just brightened my day. Driving past the church every time I did and looking at it was like, this is great. We look like we are open. We are alive. We're not slunk back where nobody can see us. But we are putting something on display that says, hello, hello. We're here. In the same way, 
in our own hearts and lives, is your light on display? You see, I think we've got quite used as a Christian culture to trying so hard to be normal and not putting people off the faith that actually we don't show them what putting our light on looks like. Our goal isn't to try and not put people off. Our goal is to shine a light on a lampstand. You see, we have something really good. If you think about your life with God and the difference that that has made, you know the difference that that will make to other people as well. And people don't necessarily get to see that because we're so protective and careful because we don't want to seem like lunatics sometimes. But it's time to be distinct in our walk with God. It's time to stand out. It's time to stick that light on the stand and illuminate it. And don't be afraid. I think this is about the word of going out with joy, being joyful about the faith that we have, not apologetic about the faith that we have. Let's live differently. Let's stand out. Now, I don't know how this word is going to land with you (laughs) because it kind of took me a while to adjust to it. So as in where we're going out with joy, God gave me um, Psalm 30 verse 11. You turned my wailing into dancing. You removed my sackcloth and clothed me with joy. Or the Amplified Version says, you have turned my mourning into dancing for me. You've taken off my sackcloth and clothed me with joy that my soul may sing praise to you and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give thanks forever. God said to me, it's time to dance. I can see you're so excited about this. I was so excited. I was like, God, is this a word for me? Or do I break this to the church very gently? (laughs) Right, don't fear not yet, fear not. He will move us one step at a time. (laughs) When we see dancing in the Bible, it is as a response to changing of events. So we see Miriam dance after they cross the Red Sea, and God had destroyed their enemies And so that was a time for dancing. And they did this something called the circle dance. I don't know what the circle dance was, but that was the dance that they did. Jubilantly praising God as he saw them destroy their enemies. We see David dance with all of his might when he's bringing the ark back. So we know that the ark is about the presence of God. He was so delighted to be taking the presence of God back to his camp that he was dancing. And when it talks about his kind of dancing, it's much more like leaping for wild joy. That's the kind of dancing that the Bible is referring to when he was dancing. So there is dancing in the Bible. There's also a passage And this is so that none of you can make yourself exempt, where it says, like, young women dance, and young men, and old men. It's everybody. Woo! Again, I see such excitement in you. This is so encouraging. So, we know, in the Bible, if you look up dancing, you will see lots of places where people are dancing. Where they are rejoicing in what God has done. Ecclesiastes 3 verse 4 says, there's a time for this and a time for that, but guess what? There's a time for dancing. (laughs) Yeah, it's there in the Bible, everyone. (laughs) No running away from it. So, bless you with that word. So, as we take missional ground, and I'm not proposing that you go to your workplace and you start doing a little dance. That's not the message for this morning. (laughs) 
But I am proposing that we take ground with joy. What is our step one towards that? Towards stepping out in mission with joy. And we'll figure out what the dancing thing looks like as we go. I'm not sure what that looks like yet. Um, But it's time to take missional ground with joy. Enjoy who you are in God. I think sometimes it can be easy to overly focus on how rubbish we think we are at things and doing things. And, you know, we can get caught up in this self-world. The more we focus on God and who he is, the less that becomes a thing. We need to keep our minds fixed on him and he will bring the growth and fruitfulness. As we read John 15 earlier, that was all about remaining in him and him remaining on us as we make him our dwelling place and he dwells with us. The Bible says that he brings the fruit. So, I want to take hold of this word this year. In summary, okay, he's doing a new thing, yeah? One, to be a dwelling place for God and for him to dwell with us. So what do you need to start doing to move towards that this year in your own life? Is there a rhythm that needs to change, a new thing to start, something to stop? What does it look like to flourish in the land? Are you taking opportunities to pray for heaven to come to earth? Like Jonathan spoke about, actually, if you're not praying for God to come into your workplace, then what can you expect? Are we praying for heaven to come to earth in the lives of those who are broken around us? Are we stepping out and taking opportunity to pray for the sick, pray for the brokenhearted? So, to be a dwelling place, to flourish in the land, three to go out with joy. It's a time to be who we are in God fully, to put it on display, to not hide it, to not be normal, to let our light shine out, to be distinct. So obviously this is a word that I offer you to weigh, to discern. The Bible passages I've read this morning, please don't just take my word, what I said, go and read them. See what you think, see how you interpret them, because we all get to interpret this together. And if it's reliant on me, you'll get more of a prophet, female, 40-year-old version of what God is saying. And it perhaps needs to be applied much more broadly and widely than that, because maybe nobody else is in that distinct category in this room. So we all need to weigh prophecy together, bring in who we are in it. And... Finally, I had a picture as we were praying this morning. And what I saw was, um, it was like this boat that we were on. And we'd kind of dropped our anchor. There was a bit of a storm. And we were coasting along the coast. And that was not doing us any good. Actually, God was calling us to go out into the deep. Because we were getting quite battered. And sometimes there is this temptation to keep one leg in heaven and one leg on earth. Because it's quite scary stepping into the unknown. It's quite scary sometimes going deeper when we can't see what that's going to mean. But I wonder whether God is inviting us as a church to go deeper. To actually let go of the coastline and to head into the deep, into his presence with him. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your goodness over this church, over the lives of the people here. God, I thank you 
that you are our dwelling place. And we want to offer this place to you as your dwelling place. We want this church to be your dwelling place. We want our lives to be your dwelling place. Will you show us what in our own lives needs to move to get in line with that? God, I thank you for the word about flourishing in the land this year. I pray that you will help us see heaven come to earth in every difficult situation, in every mess of life. I pray that our goal will be heaven come to earth to see you move. God, I pray that we will go out in mission with joy. That we won't be afraid to put our light on display. That our goal won't be to be normal, but to be shining your glory everywhere we go. Shining who you are. Inviting people into that. God, I thank you for that word that talks about fruitfulness. We pray that this year we will be a fruitful church in mission as we make our home in you. God, will you show each person here where this needs to land with them personally this morning? I pray your Holy Spirit will lead them to what is next. If there's a new thing to start up, I pray that you'll reveal to us what that is. And God, as a church, we give you this year. We invite you into it wholeheartedly. Into our lives, into our church. That at the end of the year, we'll finish healthier than where we started. Amen.